You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. So what this story can speak to, though, is the truth that's in this story, that love is stronger than hate, that justice can triumph over injustice, that when things look their darkest, um, that the dawn may be just around the next bend. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 462. Our title this week is Lazarus and Choosing Love Over Injustice, and our reading is from the Gospel of John. This is John 11, 1 through 45. Again, it's a, a rather lengthy uh, passage that's in the, the Gospel lectionary this week, so bear with me. We'll get right through it. But it says, it begins, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who had poured perfume on the rabbi and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Rabbi, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days and then said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jewish elites there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Rabbi, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many people of the Jewish community had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Rabbi, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Rabbi, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of 
of God who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jewish community who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Rabbi, if you had been here, my brother would never have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jewish community who come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Rabbi, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jewish community said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Rabbi, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew, I knew that you all always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they might believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jewish community who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. So the Gospel of John again is the the pre kind of proto gnostic Johannine version of the Jesus story. It's the the last gospel in our our scriptural canon uh, to have been written, and and it's strikingly different than all the other versions of the Jesus story in our sacred text. One of the biggest differences in John is why Jesus was arrested and executed. In the Synoptic Gospels, in, in Mark, Matthew, and Luke, it's his social justice protest and temple demonstration that strikes at the heart of, of the temple state in Jerusalem. But in, in John's Gospel, this week's story is the cause of of Jesus's arrest and execution. And and here, unlike in the other Gospels, it's not Jesus's protest against economic injustice that gets him executed, but that, that the people, they're getting too close to this, to the knowledge or the gnosis that, that he has, uh, that he, he's come to offer, um, that, that has the power to even stop death from being the last word. In John eleven fifty three, it says, from the, that day on, they plotted to to take his his life. So I have a hunch that the oldest versions of this story in the early Jesus tradition, they had a more Jewish apocalyptic flavor because we can see elements of that apocalypticism at some key moments here. Jewish apocalyptic teaching, it, it included the belief that at some future point, all injustice, all violence, all oppression would be conquered even for those who had died. Those who subscribe to this worldview, they believe that the, the age, that this age, uh, that it would end in, in, in liberation and restoration. And that was a restoration that included 
bringing to life, resurrecting those who had died. They were asleep in the grave and they would be resurrected. And, and this resurrection teaching, it's very different than the, the die and go to heaven view that's held by many Christians today. Um, one example is from the book of, of Daniel, Daniel 12, verse 1. At this time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then, but at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Martha, in our story this week, references this belief. She says, Martha, uh, she says, Jesus said to her, uh, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And I believe that these apocalyptic elements, again, they're from an older version of the story, possibly, that remained in the Johannine community's redaction or retelling. But in this version, it's it's the the competition between an apocalyptic worldview and a more Gnostic view of Jesus. In, in this version, one doesn't have to wait for a, a future resurrection because Jesus can offer a path through death here and now. Remember that that that, that interchange there in the passage about turning death into just a, a portal uh, where you're not really dying; you're, you're you're living on. Later Gnosticism it would teach that by by gaining secret knowledge or gnosis, that death can be the moment where your immortal good soul is liberated from its captivity to material imprisonment and suffering. And to that, the Jesus of this story says you don't have to wait for the resurrection at the end of the age. You can be assured of transitioning into eternal life now through the knowledge that he offers. And the language of this passage, again, it's a little problematic. It points to to, to, to some of these implications. I'm going to quote Wilda C. Gaffney's A Woman's Lectionary for the Whole Church, Year W, on page 185. She comments to this language. She says, Martha's statement to Jesus in John 11:21 is stonier than it has often been translated. Not my brother would not have died, but my brother would never have died. The same never is included by Jesus in his response. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That speaks to me of death as portal to eternal life and not a permanent estate. And that's exactly what those proto-Gnostics wanted to characterize uh, Jesus as. Uh, uh, he was the, the key, the, the, the one that would share the light, the knowledge, the gnosis that would turn death into this, this portal. And another possible redaction of this story, it can be found in the, the non-canonical secret gospel of Mark. This is translated by, um, this is Secret Mark translated by Morton Smith. Same story. They come into Bethany, and a certain woman whose brother had died was there. And coming, she prostrated herself before Jesus and said to him, Son of David, have mercy on me. But the disciples rebuked her, and Jesus, being angered, went off with her into the garden where the tomb was, and straightway a great cry was heard from the tomb. And going near, Jesus rolled away the stone from the door the tomb and straightway going in where the youth was, he stretched forth his hand and raised him, seizing 
his hand. But the youth looked upon him, loved him, and began to beseech him that he might be with him. And going out of the tomb, they came into the house of the youth, for he was rich. And after six days, Jesus told him what to do. And in the evening, the youth comes to him wearing a linen cloth over his naked body, and he remained with him that night, for Jesus taught him the mystery of the kingdom of God. And thence arising, he returned to the other side of the Jordan. Again, that's that's another version of this story, um, not in our sacred text that comes from uh, the, the the gospel called Secret Mark, translated by Morton Smith. So again, there were other versions of this story out there. What we're reading this week is the proto-Gnostic Johannine community's version wrapped around Lazarus and Mary and Martha. In the Complete Gospels, annotated scholar's version by Robert Joseph Miller, uh, Stephen Patterson, he, 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 he writes, this is page 409, he writes the story, Secret Mark, which is the one we just read, it bears a striking resemblance to the raising of Lazarus in the Gospel of John, John 11, 1 through 44. However, since it shows none of the typical marks of the Johannine redaction, which so strongly color the story of Lazarus, it is unlikely that the Secret Mark story is direct dependent upon its Johannine parallel. For its part, the version of the story from Secret Mark has its own peculiarities not found in John, such as the initiation of the young man into the mystery of God's domain. The basic story, however, probably derives from the common stock of miracle stories available to both Mark and John or their sources. So again, this is uh, we see this other example in Secret Mark of a redaction of what could have been the original story. What we're reading in John this week is the Johannine community's redaction of, of, of this original story that was being used for the purposes of, 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 of its author. So what this story can speak to, though, um, let's talk about that for a minute. This story in the Gospel of John, it's lost on many of us today. Many today no longer believe in an afterlife at all. And even among those who still do, there are precious few who believe that it's possible for someone to come back to life after they've been dead for three days. So what this story can speak to, though, is the truth that's in this story, that love is stronger than hate, that justice can triumph over injustice, that when things look their darkest, um, that the dawn may be just around the next bend, that in the teachings of Jesus, and this is what I glean from the story, that there are these elements that can conquer uh, that which is death-dealing today in the ethics and the values of the Jesus story, talking about the, the golden rule and loving your enemy and and other such things. This is an ancient story of hope. Today, we still need hope that our our best inclinations as human beings, that those can win over our worst inclinations. And in simple language, it means that we can embrace inclusion over exclusion. We can replace bigotry with embrace and celebration. We can choose 
an egalitarian equality. Um, we can choose justice and fairness over things like misogyny or patriarchy, racism, homophobia, transphobia, biphobia, over economic disparities and, and, and privilege. Our differences don't have to create a hierarchy of value. We can simply celebrate our differences as a testament of our shared and very diverse humanity. Um, life and, and, and those things that are life-giving, this is what this story is offering us. That when we encounter those things that are, de- de- that is, that are death and that are death-dealing, that life and those things that are life-giving can conquer and replace those things. Originally, the Johannine community wanted to see that as something mystical, um, something that, 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 that you could find through the gnosis that Jesus offered. Today, we can say it comes through the, the teachings and ethics of Jesus. When we get in touch with the ethical teachings of Jesus, we come in touch with a, a, a series of values that when chosen, when practiced, those life-giving values have the ability to overcome those things that are death-dealing in our society. So the again, the story is a reminder to me to keep hoping, to, to, to not give up, that our present world, it's not fixed in stone. It's not in a tomb with a stone rolled over it. It can give way to to something more beautiful, and we can choose those things uh, today. Hargroup application. Share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site and podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how does the Lazarus story in John's gospel, how does it speak into your justice work today? Share that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small? to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily posts. And also, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please like and subscribe to the podcast through whatever podcast platform you use and consider taking some time there to give us a review. This helps others find uh, this podcast as well. And also, if you if you uh, uh, are interested and if you watch YouTube, I want to share with you that we're partnering with a new weekly YouTube show called Just Talking. Each week, Todd Leonard and I will be talking about the gospel lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend. We'll be talking about each reading in the context of love and inclusion and societal justice. And our hope is that our talking will be just talking, as in just and that during our brief conversation each week, you'll be inspired by something that's said to also do more than just talking. If you if you teach from the lectionary each week, or if you're just looking for some thoughts on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice, check it out. You might like it. Uh, you can find Just Talking each week on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Herb and Todd Just Talking. Please like and subscribe and hit the notification button and leave us a comment there. And if you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. Lastly, my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now available at renewedheartministries.com. Right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, take Taking action and working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.